0: The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. We're glad you're here this week. We're ready to answer some questions. We hope we're uh, going to get to yours today. Uh, depends on how long ago you called it in. We tape a little bit ahead. Of course, we have to get the closed captioning on and all that. Uh, But we hope we get to your question today. If you're a first time viewer, uh, that's what we do on this program is answer viewers' questions. We want people to know their Bible and instead of us deciding that here's what you need to know about the Bible, we just say, tell us what you'd like to know about the Bible. Tell us something you've always wondered about, uh, some doctrine that you don't understand or some verse that you think, ah, that can't mean that. Anything like that we'll be happy to try to explain it on Know Your Bible do our best to show you what the Bible really means so you can know your Bible a little bit better. Let me introduce uh, my cohort here, Mr. Toby Levering. Good morning, Toby. Good morning, Steve. Glad you are here and ready to go. I think I forgot to tell our viewers the phone number and the website at the bottom of the screen or what you use to get in touch with us any time. And give us your question, tell us what you would like us to talk about. Now we always start with a trivia question for our viewers see if you know some little bit of Bible information here. What was Peter's occupation? And I'm talking about Simon Peter, the Apostle. Uh, What was his occupation? And we'll cover that at the end of the program, see if you and your family got that one right this week. I ran into a fellow the other day, he told me he always got the trivia questions right. He knew them, that's good, that's good. I told him I knew most of them myself. Yeah, right. (laughs) By the time I get to the end of the program anyway, I've looked them up. All right, Toby, let's let you get started. You do the first one.
1: I got a question and something we all think about when we especially go to a funeral of a loved one, family member, or someone that we love dearly in this world. Uh, how do you know your loved ones are in heaven? Uh, well, I I appreciate the sentiment of the person who asked the question because I'm sure we've all asked that question, especially as believers. We believe our hope uh belongs with a Savior who's from and that our home is in uh, another place, not built with human hands. Uh, but it is a, a natural question. Uh, there's a famous song um, that goes, I can only imagine uh, what that day will be like um, when I come into His presence and uh, when I experience uh, my final home with Him. And the question is, will I see my loved ones? Will I know my loved ones? Uh, Well, how do you know your loved ones are in heaven? I think in truth only God can know that. Uh, We can look at their life and ask if they believed in Jesus and obeyed his commands. Um, uh, Jesus said himself, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. So that's one way we can know, did they do that? It doesn't mean they were perfect, but did they have a heart that aspired to do what the Lord wanted? And they didn't just call Him Lord, but they they obeyed Him in their life. Um, But that that ultimate call will be in God's hands. And Jesus said this to the apostles in John 14. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Uh, Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you uh, that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Uh, You know the way to the place I am going. And Jesus reminded his disciples, and because John wrote it down, he reminds us uh, that he is the way. If we trust in him and follow him, uh, we'll eventually get to go home too. And so we can have and, and know that. Let's look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, where the apostle of love says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And we can trust that all those who know Christ and do what he says uh, have the hope of heaven.
0: Really, yeah, Toby. Uh, interesting question here. The viewer says, if someone claims to be a Christian, but uses God's name in vain constantly. Is this a real Christian? Uh, interesting question. Uh, just remember that you said during your answer that uh, God said, by, our, by their fruits you'll know them. Yeah. Uh, so this viewer is saying, all right, I'm watching this guy and his fruit <laughs> is that uh, he, he cusses all the time. He uses God's name in vain all the time. And uh, does that mean he's a real Christian or not? Well. Uh, I'll say this much. It certainly means that he is not a good representative of Christ, is what Christians are supposed to do. We're supposed to represent the Christ, reflect him to other people. Uh, So at the very least, he's not a good representative of Christ. Uh, What I'm hedging a bit is I'm trying to allow for immaturity. Uh, We sometimes expect everybody to be a fully developed, uh, mature Christian uh, a day after they become a Christian, and that's just silly. They're still baby Christians. They need to grow up. They still need to be taught. Now, usually uh, the matter of language and how we talk is one of the first things that people clean up. Uh, most people know, well, this doesn't represent a godly person or a Christ follower, so I'll stop that. Uh, they. It may be such a long habit, they may have talked that way all their life, uh, that they slip sometimes, that they don't think about it. But most people know, and a lot of most people can cut it off pretty quickly if they really understand uh, what it's about. So I'm trying to allow for immaturity. Maybe just nobody's taught him yet that, no, that's not the way Christians talk. If so, somebody needs to do that. Uh, I would hope he would know that on his own, but somebody needs to go to him and say, now, we need to talk about your language. If you're going to grow up as a Christian, uh, that's one thing you've got to clean up. And a verse that you can show the person is uh, Ephesians 5.4. Let's see that on the screen. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Now, this goes beyond using the Lord's name in vain. This goes to the way we talk, the kind of jokes we tell, uh, all of it. And uh, Paul told the Thessalonians, said, "That's, that's out of place to do that kind of talking. Christians should talk in thanksgiving and uh, not use that kind of language. So show your friend that. Um, It may be that nobody's told him yet. He needs to clean up his language, and let's hope that's the problem. But uh, I'm not in the is that a real Christian kind of judging business. So uh, we'll try the teaching method first. (laughs) All right, there we go.
1: A viewer asked (laughs) why would God accept Abel's gift but not Cain's? Did God show favoritism? Hmm. Well, I, I guess one way of thinking about it, um, Genesis chapter four, verses two through seven, is where we find the the account of the first murder uh, in the Bible, where uh, the the children of Adam and Eve uh, there there uh, were two brothers, Cain <coughs> and Abel, and we know they were different. <coughs> uh, the scripture says that Abel kept flocks; uh, he was uh, a shepherd. Uh, he far, uh, 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 worked with animals and and probably raised them and for eating and maybe for trade and and as his livelihood. Uh, Cain, on the other hand, he worked the soil. He was a farmer. He raised crops. And the scriptures tell us that uh, in the course of time, uh, the the two brothers brought two different offerings. Now they both related to what they did, but I think it's interesting that it tells us that Cain brought. Just some fruits, just some. Uh, whereas Abel, who were, kept the flocks, brought some of the, the the firstborn, some of the very first of his harvest, if you will, of of the of the bounty that God had blessed him with. And that tells us something. Uh, the Scripture doesn't. We have to really kind of infer that. Uh, the Scripture doesn't come right out and say it. it just says simply <clears throat> that the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But, on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor <clears throat> Now, in that sense, a viewer says, "Does God show favoritism?" Well, I don't think he was showing favor because he you know he liked uh, Abel better than Cain. I think he was looking with favor because of the spirit and the heart that Abel brought the sacrifice to God. I mean, really, they were both worshiping God, and there were two very different attitudes. You know, Cain, just whatever, pick some fruit out, let's take it over here, because I guess we're supposed to. And and Abel says, well, get one of the first ones, and and give God what's first and what's best. Well, it's two very different types of worship. And I think that does give us a lesson on how God wants to be worshiped and what priority he wants to hold in our lives. I don't think he was showing favoritism, because he goes on to say, uh, in verse 6, the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face ca- downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not, what, do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. And God's kind of warning him. They say, You're getting into a heart problem here. And so I don't think he showed favoritism at all. And we know that because Scripture says he can't. Acts chapter 10. Uh, tells us that it is true that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears Him and does what is right. And that's what God is looking for, is the pure heart, the pure life, and the pure actions. Let's read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4 together, uh, which the writer says, By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he was dead. And so, two very different brothers, two very different outcomes. Uh, but God did not show favoritism. He certainly gave uh, Cain the same opportunity to to do what's right.
0: All righty. No, I don't think there's any favoritism there. He just knew their attitudes and yep. uh, knew one was good and one was bad. Yep. Same thing for us when we go worship on Sunday. He's, absolutely. He's a lot watching, of lessons there. He's, he's watching attitudes. Sure, sure. <laughs> All right. How would you like to sit down and have a Bible study with Know Your Bible? Well, we won't come to your house and bother you, but we've got some <laughs> Bible study materials that we'd be happy to send you absolutely free of charge. And you can sit down and study with Know Your Bible study tools anytime you'd like. Uh, we've got a number of different courses. They come in the mail, so we can call them correspondence courses. Uh, but you get one at a time, and you, you get the lesson. And you sit down with your Bible and your time period, and set aside as much time as you want. Uh, read a few passages that the lesson tells you to, and uh, read some teaching that it's got in it, and then take a little short uh, review test to see if you if you got all the points you were supposed to out of this lesson and then send it back to us and we'll grade it for you and send it back with lesson number two. That helps you have a little bit of accountability, but you're still on your own time frame. You can go as fast or as slow as you want with this uh, and you'll learn a lot about the Bible. Uh, If you go through it faithfully and go into the more advanced courses that we have, uh, at the end you'll be amazed at how much Bible you've learned. So that's our goal here is for you to know your Bible. This is one more method that we've got. Uh, to help you do that. Use the phone number, website on the screen. Get in touch with us. Tell us you'd like that free course and we'll get it started for you. We think you'll like it. All right. Difference between kingdoms here. A viewer says, What's the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven? Well, some people try to draw some distinction between those, but if you read the Bible, uh, pay attention. I don't think you can draw any distinction from them. Uh, Most of the Gospel writers and most of the epistles uh, use the term, Kingdom of God. Kingdom of Heaven, actually Matthew is about the only one that ever uses that. I think he may be the only one that uses it, that is just the way he thought of it, uh, the Kingdom of Heaven. Uh, But most everybody else calls it the Kingdom of God. Now the reason we know they are the same is because Matthew himself uses them interchangeably. And if you read a passage in Matthew and the parallel passage in Mark, Luke, or John, uh, one will call it kingdom of heaven, one will call it kingdom of God. So we know they are equal, they're interchangeable that way too. Uh, One verse probably will be enough to settle it for us. Let's look at Matthew 19, verse 23 and 24. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, underline that there, kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Underline that. Okay, you got kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God in the same passage, Jesus himself speaking, and he's talking about the same thing. They're they're equal. Uh, One place Matthew calls it kingdom of God, another he calls it kingdom of heaven. So, interchangeable, same place. Uh, in one sense, uh, we like to think that we don't have the full kingdom, all the blessings until we're in heaven, uh, and that's true. But we're a member of the kingdom. We're a member of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven right now. Uh, we have been translated from the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of God. So uh, we're in it interchangeable. Use them either way you want. Uh, they're the same. So no difference. <laughs> All right, Toby, you got one. Yes,
1: a uh, viewer asked the question, <clears throat> what does the word Bible mean and why is it called that? All right, uh, on the program, Know Your Bible, kind of assume that people know what the Bible is and, uh, and where that word comes from, but it's a very good question to ask. Uh, the word Bible uh, simply means books or collection of books. Uh, anybody who's been through uh, college or had to write a uh a paper of some sort probably had to write a bibliography, which is just uh, write down all the books and the sources that you use to come to this conclusion in your paper. Uh, it's it's a collection of resources. Well, the Bible simply means books, and that's because it's it. Although technically we we carried around as a one book, but it's really 66 different books uh, written written by over 40 different authors of. Period of uh, 15, 1600 years. And so there's a lot of time and culture and everything really put into one book and we have a lot of <clears throat> uh, uh, one unified message but we have a lot of authors we have uh, uh, many different backgrounds and cultures but it it all points to the same story and it's all consistent it doesn't conflict with itself it, it, it affirms itself so uh, that's what the word bible means simply means the word books uh, why is it called that well um, the earliest that we can find where the you know in the scripture it's you know, the references are the word of the Lord, uh, the word of God. Second uh, Timothy 3.16 uses the word scripture. Uh, the word Bible isn't actually in the Bible. Uh, that was a term that probably earliest I could find was uh, about in the Middle Ages when they began to refer to this collection of books as the Biblia Sacra, uh, which simply means the holy books. And so over time that, of course, began just to be transliterated as the Bible. And in 1611, uh, there was a translation uh, the, that King James authorized, and uh, he called it the Holy Bible. That's probably the earliest in the English where we see the collection of sacred scriptures referred to as the Bible. Uh, and so that's what it is, and that's probably where the word Bible began. Uh, you need to know that that book stands alone as the most impactful, lasting, and certainly the most tested uh by skeptics and believers alike, uh, as to the veracity and truthfulness and f- and, uh, and truthfulness of the book itself and it 's been found to be true it 's been tr- found to be absolutely um, the Word of God, holy and right and true, and what we need for life and godliness. I always like the little acronym that someone said i don 't know who came up with it that Bible means. Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth, B-I-B-L-E. <laughs> that's not really, that's just a fun little saying, but let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. From infancy, Paul writes to Timothy, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. True for Timothy, true for Paul true for us today.
0: <clears throat> so, right. study it and know it. All right, let's go back a ways to Adam and Eve. viewer wants to know were Adam and Eve Neanderthals? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the Bible seems to contradict what the world thinks <clears throat> about the first people. Well, my first thought was that would sure mess up all the pictures we've yeah. got of Adam and Eve looking like 15th century Europeans, but yeah, we'd have to do a little Photoshopping on all those. Um, and I'd say the last part of the question, I'd say it backwards from what our mm-hmm. viewer did. Our viewer said, the Bible seems to contradict what the world thinks. Uh, I think the uh, world contradicts what the Bible says uh, on this one and a whole lot of other things. This isn't the only thing that uh, people disagree with the Bible on. Uh, The whole question of evolution, theistic evolution, possibility of God creating man through some process that he was a Neanderthal for a while and all that, uh, we could argue that forever. A lot of people think that's a good way to try to balance things and all that uh, I see no reason to mess with that uh, but God says what he did uh, at the creation and I think it's pretty clear. Uh, I don't think Adam and Eve were Neanderthals I don't know how God decided which ape man at some point uh, all of a sudden he said alright I'm going to call this one the first man and I'm, I'm going to deal with him and give him a garden to live in and all that uh, that's just too far out for me It's God's so simple so plain in what He says, and there is absolutely no reason to disbelieve what He says. Let's read what He says about the creation of man, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. He had made all creation, He had made the animals, He had made everything else, and now He said, Let's make man, and we are going to make man in our image. That is the Trinity of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And let man have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God says that I made the first man and the first woman. I gave them my image. I gave them characteristics of the divine nature. And there were Adam and there was Eve. Uh, So I see no reason to believe it's any more complicated than that. Um, So, no, I do not think Adam and Eve were Neanderthals and have trouble even picturing that. So (laughs) I think he created them full-grown men and women and named them Adam and Eve and talked to them and dealt with them and gave them the garden. I believe the Bible starting with Genesis 1. Let me take this moment and invite you to visit a church of Christ near you. Uh, we're kept on the air by Churches of Christ, a program sponsored by the Church of Christ, and we like to mention a few each week. Uh, today the one we want to mention is here in Wichita, actually, the East Point Church of Christ. Been a long-time supporter of the program. A great group of folks out on the east side of Wichita do a lot of uh, missionary works and medical works over in Africa. A uh, very active group of Christians, and we encourage you to drop in and visit them sometime. If you know somebody that... Uh, attends East Point, you might tell them, Hey, I was watching Know Your Bible the other day and saw that you helped sponsor it, and I thank you for keeping that program on the air for me. Of course, if you're looking for a church to attend, you'd be warmly welcomed at uh, East Point or any Church of Christ, uh, whatever market area you're in. There's probably a Church of Christ close to you. Uh, I'd be happy to uh, have you visit sometime. So thank you, East Point, and all the other supporters that we have. All right, Toby. You ask a question that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> bit of an unusual thing. one, but, you yeah, know, we'll, it, we'll it take ha- them all. It happened.
1: Why did Solomon <laughs> import apes and baboons? Well, I must admit freely I was not an expert on this subject. I'm not sure I am at all now, but I've certainly studied it more uh, than I had before. But, of course, King Solomon famously was known uh, to have asked God uh, for wisdom. And because he asked God for wisdom, uh, God gave him wisdom like No other had ever had wisdom. And with that wisdom came all sorts of riches and blessings. And he had an audience of not just the people of Israel, but all over the world. Uh, People came. And uh, he was very famous and successful king. Uh, all due, the, due, I believe, to the blessing of God's wisdom. First uh, Kings chapter 10 tells us a bit of his story. Uh, I'm going to read verses 23 following. King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. And the whole world sought audience with Solomon <laughs> to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. Year after year, everyone who came brought a gift, articles of silver, gold, robes, weapons, spices, horses, and mules. Uh, Solomon, it goes on to say uh, that he uh, uh, imported baboons as one of the many things, and the viewer wants to know why. Well, uh, a little bit of trivia here might come on to trivia questions, the only reference to apes that we find in the Bible, uh, where it specifically mentions uh, them, uh, and uh, why did he Import those. We don't really know. The Bible doesn't say. We don't really think of them as having practical use, like horses or elephants or other things. But uh, these, I think, it was just part of the the trade and the interaction of the kingdoms. I think uh, certainly uh, Solomon studied animal and plant life and all sorts of things. Let's look at 1 Kings chapter four and verses 29 and following. And this kind of tells us God gave Solomon. Wisdom, very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the East and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He spoke about plant life from the cedars of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the walls. He spoke about animals and birds and reptiles and fish. Uh, He spoke about so many things, uh, it's very clear that Solomon uh, knew about those things, studied those things, so perhaps it was for trade, economy, could have been scientific study, Uh, we don't know exactly, but the Bible tells us that he did, and I'm sure it was part of the blessing of his being such a successful king and being admired by so many.
0: Well, I would make the answer a little simpler now. Alright. I think he did it because he wanted to.
1: <laughs> well, he was king. <laughs> he,
0: and he says he tried everything he wanted. Yep. He experienced everything. He wanted a zoo so he got creatures that <laughs> nobody else had. He, he was king. Yep. Alright, viewer wants to know what is the leaven of the Pharisees? Well, that is mentioned in Matthew 16 so let's just read that and then we will try to explain it a little bit. When the disciples reached the other side they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees." Now it's kind of funny, they confused that. They thought he was talking about not buying any bread from the (laughs) Pharisees because they had forgot to stock up on the groceries. But what he was really telling them, he had just had a talk with the Pharisees and Sadducees, and kind of a heated talk. And he told the disciples, he said, Beware of their leaven. Well, what he meant was their teaching. Their teaching, if you mix it in, it will affect the kingdom. Uh, It will mess the message of the kingdom up. And the Pharisees and Sadducees were kind of the two extremes. Uh, The Sadducees were very liberal. They didn't believe in heaven. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in life after death. Uh, The Pharisees were very strict and conservative. They made rule after rule after rule that wasn't in the real Bible. Uh, So their teaching, Jesus said, beware of their teaching. They're kind of the extremes. And watch out that you don't let that teaching creep into teaching about the kingdom. So I think that's the lesson of the Pharisees was what they taught. All right, let's get to our trivia question answered today. And it's about uh, Peter. What was Peter's occupation? And he was obviously a fisherman. He was one of the first ones that Jesus called along with his brother and a couple of other fishermen named James and John. In fact, Peter was a fairly successful fisherman. He owned a couple of boats at least and uh, had a pretty big operation. So he was a commercial fisherman, let's put it that way. <laughs> We're glad you've been with us today, and uh, hope you come back next week to study some more of our quest- your questions on Know Your Bible. Sign up for that course if you haven't. And uh, until we see you next week, you have a great week.